Welcome to part two of my interview with Peter Birkin. If you missed part one, make sure to go back to Monday's episode. Have you ever experienced something so crippling in your life that has made you feel broken? I have. Are you someone who has a giving heart but is struggling to feel good themselves? Are you consistently putting your needs aside to take care of everyone else? If so, you're not alone. Giving starts with giving to yourself so that you are able to give of yourself to other people. Isn't it time you took back control and discovered what makes you tick? Join me in my journey and find out how you can feel better about yourself, live your best life, and share that with others. Thinking of yourself, it doesn't make you selfish. It makes you brave. I'm Nelia, and this is the Giving Starts With You podcast. And if I could share also, I got trained in the same, my master trainer, Janet Brailwood, taught me the Mastery of Self-Love course, which is a four-hour course. And until we love ourselves, you know, it's kind of funny. You master your own self-love, and then you use the law of reciprocity, and then you know you're giving out that same type of love to other people it's not only healing for yourself but you're starting to heal mankind with that because i'll tell you a funny story so whenever i teach i can literally go into any classroom from the suburbs to the city to the worst school in the district and have mastery of management on the first day how do i do that Ask me, you're the hostess. Ask me, how do I do that? How do you do that, Peter? Share with us. I greet every child like they're my own. And I always say, good morning. How are you doing? Great to see you. Thank you for being on time. And then I address each and every one that way. And when they're in seats, I say, thank you for being on time and in your seats before the bell. That was outstanding. Thank you. I love that. And then, I've never had a teacher. I've never had a teacher that has said that. A lot of times, we're so easy to say, call out the bad things, you know? And it's so important to give those little things of praise. It makes people feel like seen. And then what I do also is I open up the discussion. I don't go and say, do your work. I go like this. Before I get started, I build rapport and get their buy-in. And I do a lead-in like this. Kids, I just showed you what the thing is. And it's the law of reciprocity. And I go, does anyone know what the law of reciprocity is? And this could be a kindergarten class to a 12th grade class. And nobody knows the answer. So I said, first of all, I got to say this for all our teachers. Please do not use sarcasm in school. Our kids don't get it. And when the kids are laughed at becomes, because they become a topic of laughter, next thing you know, they, they get sad and we got to be more in tune to their feelings. So anyway, I digressed. Back to the law of surprise. The kids are like, well, you were good to us when we walked in. We're going to be good to you. And I'm like, wow. And then they'll be like, well, that's karma. I go, yes. That's the golden rule. I say yes. It's all those, but it's a universal law. And then I tell them that there's like at least 11 universal laws that I know about that you could actually YouTube and learn the laws of the universe that govern the universe. And they're just like, wow, this guy taught me more in a few minutes than I have learned my whole lifetime sometimes because it's mm, because some of the most important things, right? All those things. What are all the success principles, Jack Canfield, the success principles and the laws of the universe that Bob Proctor, Mary Morrissey and all these people love to teach us when it should be stuff that we should all know about. And one thing is I take best practices from all the different visionaries and I try to synthesize them give them as much credit as possible, but it's universal. This stuff's out of. You sound like a phenomenal teacher. I have fun, but you know what? You know, I, oh, currently, I didn't tell you this. I'm on disability. 
I'm on mental disability right now. Could you tell? No. Well, think about it. I just got out of college. I was on disability, did all that career and coaching, and now I'm back on disability. So what, what gives here? Other than there's been resistance. I told you, you, you did a lead in that I want to get in schools to help basically transform them, help them heal. Literally, any city school, it doesn't matter. We can heal our schools, but there's resistance to get me in there to train the passion test, the mastery of self-love course, and consulting and coaching. When you have someone in there, or many, who can help, mind you, Nelia, I could, this is my, this is my vision, that I train all the staff from the bus drivers that pick up our gifts at the curb to the kitchen staff, to the staff, the teachers and administrators, teach them all and high school students because I'm only certified for high school students and administer the passion test to all those people. And it's only three hours of the day. Oh, I love that. Because, you know, in high school, the person I related to the most and I used to hang out with was the janitor. So do, you know, they were so easy to talk to. That's who I used to talk to. (laughs) Honestly. They're the most brilliant people in a school. Absolutely. And they, they hear everything and they see everything, you know, they know a lot. It's like the bartender, you know, down. (laughs) Right. It's true. The barber and the barberette. And then, then the other thing is, if you mix in, I said earlier, the mastery of self-love is four hours. So do the passion test for three, the mastery of self-love for four. I could have a boot camp of seven hours, some breaks. So let's, let's use eight hours for the day and transform a whole staff and administrators. So when those gifts come to our school, so for instance, let's say they're on COVID virtual right now. We could do the training. By the time they're back physically at school, we could literally help heal these schools. Heal them. And that's what you have to do. You have to do the administrators and all the people that the children look up to. And then they can there and, you know, show and teach, right? And and lead by example. I love that. I think you got something there. Life-changing, right? Yeah. Can I, can I, what What would it have meant to you if these things were in place when you needed them? I would have become more of an awakened person. You know, I'll be 53 in December. And I know that we're built on earth to evolve. And if you get really good at it, you're going to get to a point where you can have an awakening where it's like all the mysteries of life, not all, but many, many, unfold beautifully and then next thing synchronicity is and miracles are starting to happen in your life and there is to me when you're in the moment loving what you're doing like this interview right now i'd rather do nothing more than be on this interview right now no football game no 50 yard line box seats and luxury seating is better than what i'm doing right now because i'm in the moment I'm peaceful, joyful, and passionate about this moment. And when you gift that present in the present moment, there's miracles happening. This is healing. This is healing me and hopefully your audience too, Melia. And me too. And you too. Beautiful. I love this. This is for your teachers that are in your audience. We have a little more time because I love I love sharing. We have as much time as you need to get your message out. Thank you, Melia. I had, I would go second grade one day, kindergarten another day, and fourth grade the next day as a substitute teacher. I'd have, in a city school district, the kid would run to my room. What would most teachers say, Nellie, when a kid's running into your room? Don't run. Don't run. What would I say? I'd say something. Come on in. I'd say something, yeah, right? I'd say something like this. Thank you for getting to class so quickly. You are the first one here. Would you be okay if you were my helper to start a class? And the kid be like. Yeah, if you said that to me as a teacher, I'd be like, are you okay? <laughs> and then and then I'd be like, I'd go a little further with it. I go, you're gonna be my teacher's aide to start class. 
So the key was acknowledging, validate him, and also to empower him and ask permission. Ask permission is huge, Nelia. So I asked him permission to help, but then I'd go a little further, not but, and I'd go a little further and say, at some point, do you mind if I give that responsibility to somebody else in class who might need a little bit of wanting a little show to the teacher? I want to be a helpful person too. And then that second grader's like, what? And then they're literally ready to give over the baton to somebody else. Yes. And then that's part of like, that's them. This is, I mean, getting excited now because this is like, you just taught him without him realizing or her realizing that they're giving without it being okay to be a nice person. You should be giving this, you know, and even if you don't want to, you really should. The way you did it is brilliant because they now, without even realizing they're doing it, they're going to feel good. And they're like, what is this feeling? What is this feeling of feeling good? I may not have thought about it, but wow, that was right. You know, my teacher just, yeah, this, this just happened, you know, and I think it's so subtle, but it works so strong. That's great. Thank you. I got, I got to share you others because I think your show is going to just totally heal. It's got healing qualities for sure. It really does. I know it. I appreciate I that. You're welcome. So here's another story. I did fourth grade at a city school. It was only a half day. I went up to the principal and go, Miss, Miss so-and-so, uh, can I work the other half a day because I, it's only a half day assignment? She goes, sure, go into Miss Smith's room. I'm, I'm making up names now. Miss Smith literally was so burned out. You could hear it in her voice. I hate kids kind of idea. And I'm like, oh my goodness, what did I just walk into? She goes, I've had seven kids long-term suspended out of my class. I have six in in-school suspension. I'm down to about seven kids now. And right in front of the principal, she's like proud of the fact that she was able to clean house. So the kids come back from lunch, Nelia. One kid starts fighting with the other, fist fight. Now, mind you, this was second graders. So I broke the kids up because my kid was second grade. I never broke up a fight in my life because we're not trained to, to break up fights. We have to watch it, unfortunately, which is terrible on a teacher's mind. So what happened was I broke up the fight and I took the kid in the hallway. You know what I said to the young man when he was in the hallway? What did you say, Peter? You're a good kid. And he melted. And then the young man goes like this. I asked his name first. You always build rapport by asking names. So, so what's your name? So I didn't go into being that. I said, what's your name? John. I, I say John because my son's John. John. I say, John, it's nice to meet you. And I, I just want to say right off the bat, you know what? You're a good kid. And then he's like, wow, I'm a good kid. I don't believe it. So he goes to the next teacher and student walking down the hallway. And he goes, am I a good boy? Just like in the most sincere voice. And the teacher says, yes, you are. So I said, you've had two, and he goes, another teacher's walking down the way. Am I a good boy? She said, yes. So I turned to the young man and said, John, you've been told by three teachers in a matter of minutes that you're a good boy. And I said, you know what you need to do next? And he's like, what? I go, you have to believe you're a good boy. So I said, this is what we're going to do. I go, you're going to be my teacher assistant. You're going to be right on my right hip. So when we go back in the room, you're going to see what a teacher's job is like from your perspective, but through the eyes of me almost. You're going to be a teacher for the rest of the afternoon. How do you like that idea? I will love it. Yeah. So we went in the room, and then the next thing you know, there was a scissors fight. A kid attacked another kid with scissors. So I broke up the scissor fight took the kid in the hallway and I said to Miss so-and-so, Miss Jackson, going down the hallway, I said, Miss Jackson, this kid just attacked another kid with scissors. Mr. Birkin, there's nothing we can do about it. There's too many kids suspended in the classroom. You got to take them back into the room. I said, okay. Took them back into the room. Then the next thing you know, a kid started self-mutilating his neck. And I'm like, and then I, I had to pour out all my 
empathy. And I said, young man, I really care about you. And you could just hear my voice just change. And I said, you're hurting my feelings. And you know, I have, I can hear it now in my voice. I have a second grade son. And I pretty much come out and say, I love you. I love you and I don't want you to hurt yourself. Please don't do that anymore. And I bring up my son because I try to bring in more of who I am and my essence into me. Next thing you know, he stops. Another kid emulates him and starts choking his throat. The whole time, Nelia, the teacher is doing individual one-on-one -on -one art projects and doesn't even acknowledge that anything that's going on in this classroom as I'm putting out one fire after another. Speed forward at the end of the day, it got worse. The teacher presented Beanie Babies at, on a Friday to the student. And you know what she did with the Beanie Babies as they were leaving the room? She pitched them at them like they were wild raccoons. Here, kind of snapped the wrist and just snapped them at him. Here, just threw them at him. And then in hindsight, what could a teacher have done with those stuffed animals? What could they have done on a Friday? I know what I would have done. I would have had a ceremony. I would have had a birthday. I would have had cupcakes. And I would have had a candle for all those, those beautiful beanie babies and kids. And I'd say, this is the birthday of your teddy bear. Let's name them. Let's have a ceremony and name these teddy bears so you can have a name to your teddy bear. And I would have turned it into a lovely ceremony of love. And then from there, let the kids go into their weekend knowing they have a stuffed animal to love. Maybe the first thing they'll ever love in their life. I was going to say, I was going to say, because if you're flicking them at the children, they're probably like, Oh yeah. And then they go out and do the same thing and flick it at somebody else or whatever. But if you're making it an actual, like attaching an emotion to it, a positive one, and then they go out, it's true. That may be the only thing they can love that day. You know, that could be their imaginary person that they talk to, or. It could be literally the turning point that literally helps heal to the point where they're more accepting of others and teachers based on that one experience. And here's another fun story. I got one after another, but I was, I was teaching at a school called the International Finance. It was Benjamin Franklin International School. It was a school within schools. The school was so disheveled, so messy. I couldn't find a lesson plan. Oh, I didn't look for it. So anyway, I wanted to teach business to kids for 80 to 90 minutes. So I said, hello, and I greeted everybody, loved them all when they first came in. They were all sitting down, there's 30 kids in the city. I said to the kids, please refer to me as either Mr. Burke and Mr. B, Coach Burke and Coach B, or just please don't call me Mr. <laughs> call me Mr. So the kids loved it. I said, this is what we're gonna do. I'm gonna teach you stuff today. All I ask is that you raise your hand if you have a question. The kids are like, holy cow. I didn't have to go into they can't do this, 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 and this. I, I just had one rule. Just raise your hand. So for the next 89 minutes, I go, my first question was this, Nellie. I go, what is international finance? Not a single kid in there. I said, that's okay. Does anyone know what domestic finance is? I don't even know if it's a word because I'm not a business guy. No one knew. I just knew that domestic means national, the United States. What can we do in this country? So I said, that's okay. So what I'm going to do for the 80, 90 minutes is I'm going to teach you how to make money in the United States. For 80 to 90 minutes, I taught everything from franchise to starting their own business is a long cutting, snow removal, you name it. Flipping houses, getting duplexes, renting half and having your other half for free. The whole thing paid for by rental. I mean, you name it, lease with option to buy flipping auction. 
it was all there was the curtains were pulled it was like the wizard of oz it was like the curtains were pulled so funny story is i also would sub at where all our long-term suspended kids go to so the one day i was there a kid goes like this he goes mr birkin i go yes fabian right he's like how did you that was one of the kids from the international finance his name was fabian and i don't know where in the universe i plucked out his name i go fabian how are you doing and the key though is as a teacher or as a parent is not the whole judgment just because he did a little bit of an error it doesn't mean he has to be judged for it especially by me why am i going to judge hey what'd you do wrong no it's like I'm glad to see you. Uh, another story at the same school. I had a three-day assignment at our at-risk, at long-term suspended school. I had a kid come into the room, and I go like this, come here. Because what it is, is as a teacher, you want to be able to dictate terms on the kid. That's how, that's like a gift you have as a teacher. You got to know that. You know, they can call it persuasion, influence, manipulation, whatever you want. But you know what? You're either going to have control of your classroom or they're going to give you so much heck that the whole year is going to be spent on discipline. So empower your teachers. Let them be proficient in management based on goodness. So, so this guy comes up to me. I go, come here. He comes up to me. M mind you, you got to look him eye to eye. And say, <laughs> and I go, you box, don't you? First of all, I say, good morning, how are you doing? And I go like this, you box, don't you? And he goes, yeah, I box. <laughs> and then he, and he goes, how'd you know I box? I can tell. And then, and then the next thing you know, this is a three-day assignment. The next day, he brought his New York State Golden Gloves. He actually brought his boxing gloves to school. The third day. One of the kids swore at me. The kid, the kid chased the other kid out of the room and hunted him down. You're talking about impact. Three days, I had the toughest kid totally on board with me. And that's all it takes. It takes mastery of connection, buy-in and rapport. Rapport and buy-in, rapport and buy-in. And once you get the kids that's a skill. It's magical. It's learned, Nelia. It's learned. That's the thing is, our colleges do not get ready. They want all the kids to be polite, in their seat, ready to learn with parents involved who are going to support the kids in the community. In our cities, unfortunately, it's either a single parent, no parent, no one, two guardians, maybe grandparents. It is so fragmented you're lucky if the, the child has one kid they can count on it, it shows the possibility that children aren't born bad they're not bad people you know we just we don't give them a break you know there's a difference between disciplining the right way and teaching the other way you know and yeah we need to i i, I think you're you need to be teaching this to people absolutely I would love to, and our our colleges and universities, you know, we have urban issues. Thing is, what what do they do, Nellie? They take your teachers and they put them in the best classrooms in the whole city, and they say this is what it's like. It's not. Put them in the most debilitating school where violence is rampant in the school, drugs going on. You know, you're walking through marijuana clouds and and kids are not in class. There's bullying going on every day. There's assaults all the time. It could be student on student, student on teacher. Sometimes the teachers gotta give it back either verbally or physically. And they're assaulting the ministry. How do you have success with all that going on? And why do you think New York's got, government has problems giving money to a school district that's failing like that? But when you make a change in a school like that, you're really making an impact. You're making every bit of impact. Then that child will grow up and perhaps 
you've broken the cycle of abuse, you know, for their children. And they are now going to go out and, you know, and teach. And they don't have to be teachers, but they're going to go out and, and be different people. You know, this is the youth. This is what we need to do. They, you know what, Nelia? They're going to be teachers. And the thing is, and I changed my, my sentence around. My name's Peter Birkin. I help bully-proof people so they can bring out their unique genius. No, my name is Peter Birkin. I bully-proof people so they can bring out their unique teacher or guru because we all have it within us. Like you said, we're not born just making mistakes, if you call anything a mistake. Um, I, I believe that every bit of everything that we go through is just an opportunity to learn and grow and, and just become so much a better version of ourselves. But if you look at an incident or something negative, like for instance, I want to acknowledge, you know, you lost your dad, very, you're, you just had a child of, and, and you're basically a caregiver for your dad like that. And 10 years of feeling sad and depressed and, and getting a possible diagnosis out of it, whatnot. Wow, wow. That's a real thing when you're a caregiver and you burn out like that. So I just wanted to acknowledge that. And I thank God that your message is not only healing yourself, but it's healing everyone that's listening to your, to your podcast. And I really, I, I, it's wonderful. I love it. Um, thank it, you so much, it, Peter. I appreciate that. Yeah. Wow. You're, you're, you're good. You're good. I can tell. Thank you. Because, you know, everybody experiences things and, and sometimes people compare, oh, my thing is more than your thing, you know, it's just, it's our pain is our pain. It doesn't matter what it is that took you there, you know, and my thing, you know, is, is just uh, a podcast saved me once. And so, yeah, in your words, we don't want to lose anyone. Right. So we just, yeah. No, I appreciate that. You know, life is tough. And when you feel like you're going through it alone, even when you're surrounded by people, there's no hope, there's no movement, there's no, you know, you just can't, you just can't go through that. Like we were talking before we started recording how we, there's so many lonely people out there that we can all be lonely together during, you know, even look at the world today. There's more loneliness today than there, you know, whether it's you're elderly and you live alone or people isolated in their homes. And even if you're not isolated, just all the precautions and all the freedom that's been taken away, you know, it's like we're, we're grieving so many different things, jobs, we're grieving our, you know, our lives, we're, we're grieving our everything, our relationships with friends, like, it's a tough time. It's a tough time. So I appreciate you coming today and talking about, you know, how to have your toolkit ready. And that's so important. And, you know, all these stories that you said, you know, it just shows me more and more what kind of an impact, you know, not only you can do, but we can learn from and, and also do right. And I love that you talked about reciprocating because, you know, the one thing that really helped me feel better about who I was and heal my pain was giving to other people. I have never felt what, never felt the same, like the duplication of that fuzzy feeling that you get when you help somebody. Um, we're getting ready for a homeless drive and, um, you know, just going, you know, my son started this when he was six. And so he's, he's been, he's 14 now. And we get, you know, people in the community to come and help and, and it wouldn't be possible without people donating and stuff, but it's the walking toward these homeless people rather than walking around them. That's what they remember. Yes. They eat what we give them. Yes. They use what we give them, but it's the stopping and having the conversations, you know, it's just connecting whether you're a teacher and, and you're, you got to connect with your student or your parent or a husband or a wife, or, you know, I do believe like. I know it's a dream, but I do believe that in my lifetime, I think that if we all keep doing what we want to do, that we're going to see a change in the world. That's my hope, you know? It's just, yeah. 
I, I totally agree with you. Ask me what my why is on why I'm writing my book. Why are you writing your book, Peter? <laughs> I want to end self-bullying, bullying, mass shootings, terrorism, genocide, and war. Yeah, that's big. But you know what? One step at a time gets us closer and closer and closer. You know, I want to also say to that is, you know, everybody wants to narrow their niche down, their niche. Everyone wants to have their own tribe, Nellie. My thing is message the billions with the internet and podcasts like you're having right now. There should be a big reach to the world. There was 7.53 billion people in 2019. There is seven continents. We have a message to give to these people around the world that you're not alone. Like you said, we're not alone. We have Zoom, we have technology, we have Tony Robbins, you have Peter Burke, we have Nelia Hutt here, there, Zoom call away to reach out to us either by email or LinkedIn or Facebook, give you that love you need. You know, it starts with oneself. Love oneself. I always say to the kids, love oneself, others, and authority. But, you know, authority's got to be respectful to the kids. You know, that was a funny story. There was one of the schools I taught at, they did a reverse experiment on the teachers. The principal, <laughs> principal, the principal rallied up the kids and said, look it, I want you to kill all your teachers with kindness. So the principal did an unbelievable thing there. Got all the students to buy, mind you, this was a state-run school. So this was like an orphanage. And these kids were in crisis and were being medicated and tackled to the ground to keep them safe. It's like what a kind of a world is this that you lose your kids to the state and they're over medicating them and also just existing, not curing them, curing not them. living. It was so sad, you know. So two stories that come for that is that the the experiment went this way. So they killed the teachers with kindness, all the burned out sad teachers turned around were being nice to the kids after a while they were being nice to the kids i gotta tell you another story in the same school i i taught there for two and a half years nelia picture the threshold of a door threshold of a door the moment you come in to my room you have your science hat on you might have had an issue in the kitchen you might have had an incident on the van on the way over, the walk over. I give you permission to let it all go. When you come into my room, you have a blank slate, tabla rasa, you have a blank slate to start all over in the moment. I'm hearing you say this to me, it's like, no matter what abuse or what emotional abuse or physical abuse or is happening to you before you come into my classroom, that was done to you. You know, as soon as you walk through that classroom, the world is yours. You can be whatever you want to be. There's nobody here that's going to be controlling you in that way. You know, and for a lot of kids, school is the most freeing place that they can be themselves. For a lot of kids, it's a stressful place for a lot, a whole bunch of different reasons. But that's another show, right? It's lovely. If I had grown up in a in a school like that, I think it would have made a difference. Absolutely. We're, you know, we're the parents at school. See, the thing is some teachers are like, hey, you know, I, I can't wear every hat in the world. Guess what? You better learn to learn how to put a hat on of every resource. Yeah, because kids spend more time at school than they do at home. But how many you count? Well, I'm only the teacher. I'm not their parent. Well, guess what? For the first time, you might be parent-like to a child who needs you more than ever in the world ever. There was one school I visited. It was a charter school. They were mandated by the people running the charter school that every kid had to be welcomed by five adults. Good morning. How are you doing before they went into their homeroom classroom? 
So and now uh, look at now now it's no kid left behind. That's what we're doing here in Canada. No matter you can read or not, nobody gets failed. You know, nobody gets. It's called the no kid left behind. It's like what? Right. And I got, it's such a dis. It's such a disservice. It really is. So my book actually is called Bully Proof and 234 Solutions to the Problems. 234. Solutions to bully proofing kids around the world. Yeah. Where can well, when is your book gonna come out? That's a great question. <laughs> what I'm what I'm gonna do is because I don't want sometimes Nelly, I'm like, I don't care if I make a dime on this book. I really don't. I just want to get it out. I want my message on the planet now. I got I can't get this thing done fast enough. Now, I was trained by Dr. Joe Vitelli in a couple of different programs. You know, money loves speed. My ideas, other people know. Am I gonna get credit for what I've been telling school districts to do to heal themselves? I might not, but you know what? At least I planted the seeds, and that's all I want to do. So the book, that's a great question. My book is a, it's a how-to book. It's a journal. It takes the most powerful quotes in every category that makes you great, from radical forgiveness to gratitude, you name it. All the most powerful quotes that will make you whole and complete are in the book. So you can take my ideas right now if you're listening to the podcast, which I hope you are, and you can write my book for me, and I'd be happy for you. Because I, I don't need any accolades, credit. I just want to heal from within and others. So right now, I have 180 pages of this book, which is a good book. But I'm ready to turn it into an ebook and put it. It could be a college textbook, actually, because all our teachers need to. I'm a consultant, too. I got I to gotta mention this, right? We spent... A lot of people will say a ridiculous amount of money on a consultant. I grew up knowing, my parents used to always say, Peter, it costs a million dollars to raise you till you're an adult. Here we are rolling pennies, Nelia, but it costs a million dollars. <laughs> I don't know where that came up. But the point of it is, they hired a consultant, I think it was 250000 a quarter of a million dollars on a $900 million budget. That's like toilet paper. That's nothing. Get him in there, let him do his job, and help transform our schools. So the funny thing was, all he did for the time he, he was a consultant, it might have been the whole school year. It was Dr. Jaime, uh, I know his last name, but I won't say it all. Did a good job of doing a fact finding mission on all the problems in the district from the perspective of the kids, the teachers, staff, and administrators. Guess what? He was at a three hour town forum with all the TV stations there. And I got to say, Dr. Jaime, I'm glad you're here. You just entered the shark tank. <laughs> I love it. And yeah. And, and I, the reason why I said that is a, a term of endearment. So anyway, I, I was like this. So and my, I started before my question. I go, now, Dr. Jaime, you've been here to identify what all the problems are. Me, as a consultant, have a solution to every one of the problems. Wouldn't you think the next step would be to hire me as a consultant to provide the solutions to everything you unearth as a problem? Because you know what? All the problems have a solution. And if they don't create one. Make it. Make it. But what happens, especially in our city schools, is these kids are marginal, marginalized to the point where we don't give them the best nutrition at school. You know, you mentioned no child left behind and you know, Bush, one of our presidents came up with that idea. I would like, and this is in my book, and I think we might've been do doing it for a little while. I'd like to test our two-year-olds, socially, mentally, behaviorally, and see how they play and interact. 
play with oneself, meaning, can I sit there and play? How long can I play? Am I distracted by, like my son, he was an only child. I love him to pieces, by the way. He could play for hours by himself. He was a magnet, creative, and just loved playing. Our kids can't sit still anymore. So to test them, battery tested, before they go into universal pre-K. Do you know we had universal pre-K in Rochester, New York? Which meant all our kids had to write to start school full-time at three years old. Wow, how powerful is that? Now what happened is too many people realized there was a choice that you could send. So they didn't have a big numbers. They didn't market it, Nelia. They, your kid can go full day, daycare, three, four-year-old. How powerful is that? So let's say your parents didn't do the best they could with the tools they had. Well, we had them at school at three. We could correct the sales, right? So what we've done since then is we, got, we shifted No Child Left Behind. It's called something new now in the United States. But test the kids before they have to be taught these tests down their throats. And then what you do is when that two-year-old gets tested and you find, hey, this kid doesn't socially, mentally, and playfully could go into a preschool just yet, then that's where social workers, doctors, therapy pets, goldfish and dogs and cats and gardens and art and music and everything that makes people whole and complete are given to those two-year-olds. So we take even the most marginalized kid who hits and swears and would be a bully, not just to themselves, but that preschool three, and get them to heal before they go into school. Before And then not turn it into a library. Why do we want to say, well, why do even want mindfulness to and everything? They should teach mindfulness and all that in class. I really think they should, but that's another topic. <laughs> well, we, but I do. I think practices we could do. Could they do. need to teach coping mechanisms to children instead of, you know, putting them in the corner and scolding them for, for being expressive. Right. I'll give you a formula. Can I give you the passion test formula? Because what happens is I can do a, a, a half hour workshop on this stuff. A half hour workshop. So we've all heard knowledge is power, right? I think Einstein said that. Well, what's more important, or at least 50%, T.R. Recker said clarity is power. So the more clear you are on what? Your intentions. The first part of the formula is intention. When you set inspired intentions, you do the second part of the formula is you engage your focus and attention to the intention. So let's kind of catch intention, attention. Guess what happens when you engage your intention to your attention and really focus on it? What do you think happens? You evolve, right? Right. You don't stress. Intention, attention, no tension is the three-step formula to the passion test. I love this. You got to have me back, by the way. I'm just going to say. I would love to have you back. I really, really enjoyed our conversation today, and I really enjoyed all the golden nuggets and the wisdom that, you know, I've learned some things. And uh, yeah, it was, it was very enlightening. It was, it was great. I love what you're doing. Uh, keep doing what you're doing. You know, this is another beautiful example of how we can take our struggles and things that we suffer with. Because, you know, when you go through those times that you had earlier in your life, they're tough, you know, and your life doesn't have to be like that all the time. You know, let things go, learn from them, reach out to people, you know, and, and take what you've learned and help somebody else, which is exactly what you're doing between the coaching and the teaching and, and everything. And you're learning too. You're still learning, right? So, yeah, I can't wait to read your book. Where can people find you if they want to connect with you for the 15-minute 
I know that your email is pburkin at gmail.com. And that's pburkin, B-U-R-K-I-N, at gmail.com. If you put in the subject line, Melia, N-E-L-I-A, of course, I will make sure I get back to you and we'll set up a 15-minute coaching session. That's amazing. Even if you just want to chat, because you're a great person to have a conversation with. I appreciate it. And then also, if you want to do the mastermind, just put it in the subject line you prefer to do the mastermind. You get the choice there, though. Thank you. That's a real gift to give somebody. So I appreciate it. What is the one gift that you think the most important gift that you were able to give to yourself to bring you to where you are today when you were having those difficult times? So after my four suicide attempts, which I did not mention, the biggest gift I gave myself was I never held back in buying a book or a product that I knew would help serve me. I'm actually right now penniless because I just want to learn so much so I can bring the best version of myself to help heal the humanity. And I'll keep doing it. I, I really could go out of this earth penniless right now and be proud of the fact that I did not hold back of, oh, do I need to buy this product? Oh, if you think it's going to really serve you well and make you grow to the, to the levels you think you might, find the means. Go with your gut. Go with Give your it gut. as a gift. Give it, you know, put it on a gift list. And if somebody wants to gift you, go to the library. Sometimes the library will will find what you need if you're really having a hard time, you know. That's a good I gift. I was given permission by Dean Graciosi, who's a billionaire in the United States. His book, one of his books is at Dean's, D-E-A-N-S, so Dean's Free Book.com. You can get one of his books for free. Oh, great. I'll read that for sure. I love Dean Graciosi. He's amazing. Coached by Tony Robbins, his company, one of 15 coaches in the world. And I get coached on Monday mornings to start my week being coached by Mariella is a beautiful person. And look at you now. It's not only are you helping people, but you're in a better place. You're at peace. You know, I mean, when you have a mental illness, it never, you cope with it. It doesn't, it's not cured. It doesn't go away. It may come back. You know, but you've learned, like, you have your toolbox. So it's okay. You don't, you no longer need to be afraid of what if I have another episode of this or what if. You know, it's okay. I'm not going to die from this. I understand it. I'm not the only one that suffers from it. And I know what to do about it. And that's, that's huge. And then when it comes to mental illness, I have not felt any, I, I feel healed real quick i got tackled in my son's basketball game this was just over a year ago i was almost i went to a halfway house and also because of this i got tackled by security because i didn't turn around for the national anthem and then the next thing you know i went to a mental institution for a month again after being out of there for 29 years and having a whole teaching and coaching career see so the my thing is i want to end the myth I believe people with mental illness can not only recover, they can heal. My thing is society knows how powerful people with mental illness are. They're the most compassionate, loving, empathetic people that if they didn't think they had all these limiting beliefs and trauma from childhood right on through with this idea that they're pet. They're panicky and depressed and suicidal. We will literally, in a community of mental people, heal the planet quicker than anyone that's normal. Let's say people are normal in the world. I have, oh, I, you know, it was funny. The third time I was in the hospital, they're like, do you think you're God? And I'm like, you, you got to tell them what they want to hear, right? So I'm like, no, but um, I'm in the uniqueness and likeness of him. For six days, God created Earth. Did they give you another pill for that? Oh, they dope me up. 
they built me up all over again. They said, oh, you never took your pills for a while. That's why you're... So once you clear up your conscious thoughts and make them in alignment with your subconscious prior programming, if you can overcome your gremlin, your inner critic, your assumptions, interpretations, and limiting beliefs, in IPAC, which is like graduated from coaching school, when you get over your GAILs, the gals, you can literally manifest what you got on your mind. You can literally manifest what you got on your mind. The best manifestors have overcome their beliefs that have not served them. Thank you for enlightening us today. I, I thoroughly enjoyed this, having my coffee. It's like, it's like we're not even virtual. We're just sitting here chilling, you know, talking about life, right? <laughs> I love it. Another new best friend that I just met today, right? He's right there right now, yeah. Anytime, anytime. Time I can help you too. Like, it's fabulous. Thank you. Thank you for coming and sharing your message with us. And definitely, I'll have you on. Maybe we can do one about depression and suicide or, you know, we have lots of things to talk about. Anything for Nelia. You're my friend. You know, we just met a little bit, but I love you, okay? And... I do, and I want only the very best for you and your audience, and there's no doubt love going your way. How kind is that? Wow, that's one of the most beautiful things I've ever heard. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Yeah, I know I've said it already, but I love that you've taken what has happened to you and not only survived it, but you're thriving and you're teaching and you're... You're so passionate about it. And I just, I wish it was contagious so that everybody could catch it and we could just light this place on fire and everybody would be, you know, in the same mind as what you're thinking and things would, you know, come next September, the schools would be changed and things would be so different. And that's my hope, you know, I really, anything I can do to help get your message out, I'm there. Well, you know what, it is contagious. And you just virally are going to show your audience and anyone that's not followed you yet how powerful somebody's message can be through your podcast. And the thing is, when you take all your best practices, be a teacher, all your best practices, if everything you've learned in your life, and if you could synthesize it in a story, you will heal yourself and anyone you speak to. I got a man I coach. He lets me talk freely about him. He's tried to commit suicide a thousand times. He's in my mastermind. He's, he's the most, he's evolved so well and doesn't even, he has bipolar three. That's what he was diagnosed with. He was told years ago that he'd have to be in a nursing home the rest of his life. And now he's thriving. He's, he's the most lovely man in the world. And, you know, I just got, we're talking virally. He's written five movies, sold a pilot, written 10 books, but he's the most obscure person on earth because he thinks he's an, he thinks he's an imposter, that he's a villain, that he's got this inner critic that's holding the back. It's like, He's been on podcasts. I would, I would recommend him on your podcast. He's the most loving, compassionate, empathetic person in the world. Well, maybe you guys has, can come on together one day. Oh, I would love my Jewish brother to come on. You know, if you ever thought of a panel of most powerful, diverse group of people, that's my, my biggest thing I would love to do, to be that Caucasian guy and he, he being my Jewish brother, Muslim and African-American, make it a Black Panther, if you will, out of this country and make it where we can all be on a panel to get perspectives that can help heal the planet. Yes. Let's, let's learn from each other. You know, look at us now with COVID. COVID did not discriminate between sexes between color between where we live in the world between you know financial status nothing it was it's a very um good equalizer you know it really is it hit everybody yes. we're all i mean global like the whole world like if you think about it 
think, you know, we say it so easily, but if you think, look at a globe and honestly think about from one corner of the earth to the other and really take, take five minutes, take 10 minutes and think about what that actually means. The fact that it's gone and affected every single human being in one way or another, it's, it's like a reset for humanity. You know, and even though there's so many horrific, horrific sides to it that I cannot even imagine. And it haunts me. People who have lost their lives and their their families um, having to grieve alone. And it's horrific. But on the other side, there are so many. There are things that have come out of it that. Have shown me more gratitude, have shown me I've seen you know, stories of kindness that have come out of, of tragedy. So it's just, you know, yeah, I would love to be able to sit in a room like that too, with, with just people from different walks of life and just learn from one another. Be amazing. I'll tell you a funny thing, ready? I've heard this, you might've heard it already, but it's nice to get it to your audience who haven't maybe not heard it. That if we took all the money in the world, and we equally distribute to every person in the world. You know what would happen to that money in a short period of time? It would go to the same people that had it before because we do not teach financial literacy in school. It would go right to top less than 1% of people. I haven't heard that before. That's why your lottery winners go from being broke, homeless, winning lotto and going to jail because they don't have the mindset to keep money like that and be prosperous. So we have, God has made it where the world is completely abundant. The resources are all here on earth. There should be no scarcity mindset. The only scarcity mindset is within somebody or the institution or the politics or the school or the church, even a church makes scarce mentality. If we get over all these beliefs and barriers, for me, if we just break the walls down between government, public schools, and church, and we get uncomfortable becomes comfortable in the conversations to help heal each and every one of us. We're gonna do it quicker than your podcast, what we're doing right now, is going to heal the planet quicker than anything else. I'm not, I'm not being egoic right now. I'm just saying what we've talked about tonight, if someone really takes the time to really take some notes on it, it is completely healing and transformative, what we went over tonight. Yeah, I agree with you. We talked about so many different important issues. And, you know, what you say about money, like I believe, and when you talk about God, I believe that people think that money was created to separate us, you know, from, you know, in different statures and stuff. But I believe it was created to create responsibility and to teach us things. But it does create a lot of separation. It creates a lot of hatred. It creates a lot of problems. So yeah, we'll have to come on and talk about money another day because there's a lot. Opening the curtains, I think is another way. Another time I'll say, just opening the curtains to make people acknowledge and become aware there. You could take every success principle that every book was written from Think and Grow Rich to Success Principles by Jack Canfield. Know that the more you give 10%, whatever you, your belief system is. It might not even be money. It might be your time. Yeah, give love. I always say to give love is free. Even if you have nothing, you can still give. Well, can give love. Oh boy, that's healing, isn't it? Have you ever read the book? It's a trilogy. It's called Conversations with God. Did you read that book yet? No, I haven't. Have you heard of it? Have you heard of it? I have a little bit, but I don't know very much about it. Well, here it is. It's over 700 pages, a trilogy. And you can go to YouTube and listen to it. I have my earbuds when I'm... And the thing about it is he actually came out on... There's a YouTube also on outwitting the devil. 
and that came out in 2011. The family didn't release it because they, they thought it was too controversial. I learned at IPEC that there are no mistakes, okay? There's only opportunities to learn and grow from that mistake. So I'll give you- Just less, they're just lessons. Oh yeah. You know, I my son was 14 years old. Uh, can I add on this story? You mind if I tell you one? Of course, yes. Thank you. My son was 14 and a young man died of a heroin overdose. I didn't know at the time how he died, but I'm like, we gotta go to his, we gotta go to his mass, his funeral, because- Like because, a friend of your son? No, I was actually a kid I coached in high school and oh. college. I coached college across too. So I was like, I gotta pay, we gotta pay respect. So I brought my son with me. And then after the, the, the mom did profess in front of the congregation, that he died of a heroin overdose, which I, I love that she did that. So I went up, I said to my son, we're gonna go to the ceremony afterwards to celebrate the death of her son. So I'm, like, life, yeah. so I'm like, I'm driving and I turn to my son, I go, I hope I'm, I'm the first one there. I was the first one there. I got to, to say to the mom, I thank you for professing the way your son died. Because if one child, like my 14-year-old son, John here, can learn from it, he did not die in vain. It's going to prevent massive amount of feeling alone from feeling like I need to do a drug or an, a beer or a shot. It could literally make my son's mind up not to do anything ever, you know? And wow, why not be my son or more? Straight. Or more. Now, Right. Now, now, if I led with, if it could just do one and that mindset, my son might be like, but if I said, not only can it help my son, but it can help out many, many, many people. And what comes from such tragedy are 5K races, 10K races. Oh, bring awareness because that number one, awareness and acknowledge, bring an awareness that opiates you know friends i just had and community yeah brings together community for sure i just had surgery i left the hospital without being on any painkillers i didn't even take them could you imagine because i have an addictive personality that i planted a seed in my head because my family told me we have addiction in our family so i want to go into that belief thinking i'm addicted to gambling and sex, alcohol, you know, or coffee, chocolate. Then you don't stand a chance if you already believe it before it's actually happened right. or affected you. You don't stand a chance. Right. Now I can have a six pack tonight or I can enjoy a cup of coffee with Melia on a podcast. Love I, it. I prefer that coffee. <laughs> I'm glad you I'm glad you enjoyed this as much as I did. Oh, I love it. It was great. It was like having you in my house and having a chat. It was great. With our cup of coffees. <laughs> well, you're brightening up your room and your house and, and the world. And you keep up with the great work. I'm proud of you. I am. I'm proud of you. You're Thank you so much. But it's you incredible people who come on here that are, you know. It's awesome. Thank you. Awesome. And, you know, one more thing. You don't have to be a doctor to know what's going on in the world. You could be that four-year-old kid that you could get a life lesson from or Mr. Burke, absolutely Ms. Hutt. because to say that every doctor knows the answer you know it's funny i'll leave on this note this is funny when someone rips off somebody they call it plagiarism but when somebody rips off a big thing they call it research <laughs> i love that i find you so fresh and so enlightening and so funny and it's like a breath of fresh air it's like hilarious you know so if you're listening to the show be that person that you know be that person like peter who is going to turn around and do everything that he can you know that he's working hard everything that he can to make you feel better about yourself to make you believe in yourself like all the stories you said about the kids fantastic i love it 
I think you're an incredible human being and I appreciate you coming on and and speaking with us today and uh, yeah everybody who's listening tell your friends like share his message I think it's phenomenal I want to give one more offer to your audience listen to this I want to offer your audience the mastery of self-love four-hour course for free really the reason why I can offer for free is because I have to learn the script of the introduction and the pitch at the end. My limiting belief is holding me from memorizing that. So I'm, I'm not qualified to charge for it right now. So I want to offer it to your audience. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah, well, I'm going to put all the links and we'll, you'll give me all the info. I'll put all the links in there so people... That's amazing. I would like to take that as well because I do, you know, the whole premise of starting this show um, above what I just explained there in a little bit of a rant was to, you know, we give and we give and we give and then we have nothing left for ourselves. And then we're left standing there, soul naked, you know, and not knowing where to turn. So I think if you can learn, the most you can learn about self-love and the more you can give is the more you can heal. It's just like this beautiful circle. So that is very, very generous of you. So thank you very much. I would love to be a part of that as well. Thank you. I'm always looking, you know, yeah. life learner right here, right? Cool. Like, well, you'll have one from Ontario coming up. I love it. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode. If you enjoyed what you heard, please subscribe or leave a review. See you next week on the Giving Starts With You podcast.